In today's fast-paced business world, there's an underlying issue that often goes unnoticed, yet its impact is profound. Leaders everywhere are missing a critical piece of the puzzle, leaving teams feeling disconnected and businesses struggling to reach their true potential. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode. I am your host, customer and employee experience strategist, Mark Hain. My guest for this amazing episode is award-winning author, emotional intelligence expert, professional speaker, and university professor, Carolyn Stern. Today, we will delve deep into a subject that's often overlooked and misunderstood or even brushed under the carpet when it comes to the business landscape, and that is emotional intelligence. Now, don't go away. Don't start woo-wooing me. (laughs) This is something important. Today, we're on a mission to unravel why business leaders should not be afraid of being their authentic selves. My one ask is that if you know somebody who could use this information, well, first of all, I'm sorry. (laughs) Second of all, please share this episode with them. Knowledge is power, but only if we share it. You're leading meetings, you're hitting targets, but something's missing. Your team's performance is good, but it's not great. You sense a lack of connection, a gap that numbers and strategies alone cannot fill. You might not realize it, but you could be part of a widespread issue in the business world today. And that brings us to our question of the day. At the surface, oh yeah, we're all on the same page. Everyone knows what to expect and and what we need to do. Not that kind of instinct. I mean, truly feeling the human connection with each member of your team, and them with you. How did it impact your results? I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. Your answer could be the key that unlocks a new level of leadership success, and sharing it would be magical. So go ahead, share this episode on your favorite social media platform, hashtag it experience leadership, and put your comments down. I'd love to see it. My guest as I mentioned, is a force to be reckoned with in the realm of leadership and emotional intelligence. Carolyn Stern is not just an expert, she is a trailblazer. An award-winning author, acclaimed speaker, and esteemed university professor, she has transformed how leaders globally think about and harness their emotions. With accolades from her groundbreaking book, The Emotionally Strong Leader, and appearances on platforms like The Social and CTV Your Morning, Carolyn is leading the charge in redefining strength 
in leadership, and she models it every single day. Carolyn, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we get too deep into today's topic, could you just tell us a little bit about how you serve your clients? So I'm an emotional intelligence trainer, speaker, and author. The reason I wrote the book is I was sick and tired of hearing leaders like you telling me that showing emotion was a sign of weakness and should cause shame. And what I ended up doing was building a curriculum. So I teach, I do a lot of emotional intelligence training programs. I just, today, this morning was in a keynote. We do a lot of retreats, workshops, assessments, but we really get people to understand what their emotional makeup is and how that's helping and hurting their leadership. I love it. I guess one of the things we should maybe start off by doing is could we define what emotional intelligence is and what it it is not? Well, it's not a mushy skill. You know how everyone says it's a soft skill? There's nothing soft about it. There's a lot of science behind it. Really what you're trying to do is gets it's really being intelligent about your emotions. So knowing what you're thinking and figuring out, recognizing what you're feeling, understanding where that feeling's coming from, labeling that feeling appropriately. You know, are, are you angry or are you frustrated? And expressing it constructively. So if I'm angry, do I have to swear and yell at you or can I just tell you that I'm angry? And regulating it appropriately. I mean, that's really what EI is. So it's really understanding that we feel things, all of us, we're human and we all have feelings, right or wrong, good or bad. They're not factual always. They're incredibly painful. They're incredibly personal, but they're not always factual and paying attention on purpose to how we're feeling so that we can figure out what to do with that information. And the problem is people are so afraid of their emotions. Mm, Yes, and I think... You know, being the last of the baby boomers, I can absolutely attest to the fact that a lot of leaders did not have the grounding or the humility to be able to outline how they were feeling. They figured, you know, because I'm the boss, I just have to be the staunch leader and I will tell people how to behave and I will tell them what I want. Yes. And the problem is we are human yes. before we're a leader or, or an employee. And because we're human, we have feelings and they don't, there is no on and off switch. As soon as you get to the work, they're there with us all the time. And the problem is none of us, including me, had an emotional education, right? We've all been, because we are so afraid of emotions, we're told, as you said at the beginning, to push them under the rug and carry on as if they don't exist. But what we need to realize is because we're afraid of showing emotions and we're scared to show them at work. We don't know how to deal with them, so we make assumptions about how people are feeling rather than being brave and actually having the conversation and say, hey, Mark, I see you stomping down the hallway. The story I'm telling myself is you're angry. Is that correct? No, we don't have those conversations. What we do is we just assume something. I whisper to, to Sally, hey, get out, stay away from Mark because he's, he's pissed off right now. But in actuality, if I was brave enough to say hey, I, you know, are you angry? And you might say, no, I'm not angry at all. I'm just frustrated. The challenge is we make, this is how mishaps, miscommunications and misunderstandings happen in the workplace because what psychologists call attribution bias, I'm attributing an emotion to your behavior, 
but I'm not actually being brave enough to ask you, hey, is this how you're feeling? And that's how we make too many assumptions in the workplace. And that's how come we have so many misunderstandings in the workplace. So how would you define the lack of emotional intelligence in today's business leadership landscape? Is it change? Well, because, you know, we had prior to COVID, it seems like COVID was like a tipping point for many different things. And so now, you know, the baby boomers are starting to retire. The millennials are are in those leadership roles. Now we're taking the next generations are stepping in. Is emotional intelligence now in the corporate landscape? Is this is this something that people are being aware that it needs to come to the surface? Oh, yes. So ever since the pandemic, Emotional intelligence has been around since the early 1990s, but it's been resurrected. I think what's happened is when the pandemic hit, we were all emotional and we could no longer stuff our emotions under the rug. We were scared about our safety. We were scared about losing our jobs. We were scared about a lot. And so organizations now, like I've had my business for 17 years, as I told you. And for the beginning, when I first started, I had to convince people what emotional intelligence was and you know why they should do emotional intelligence training and invest in it. And now the phones are ringing off the hook of incredibly high profile companies. Why? Because they realize that their leaders don't have the skills on how to tend to their emotions, let alone their other other people's emotions. So absolutely, I think it's more prevalent now than ever. We also, you talk about different generations. Did you know that the younger generations, the Gen Zs or Zs, depending on if you're American or, or Canadian, is... They are worse at problem solving, worse at stress management, and worse at independence than any generation before them. Why? Because they grew up with phones and helicopter parents. And so we, you know, think back, Mark, when you and I were in school, all the world's information was in 12 encyclopedias. You remember in the good old days when all you had to do is go to the library and look for all the information under those 12 encyclopedias? Well, now the world information is at everyone's fingertips. And so we have to realize that this generation, this upcoming generation, didn't grow up the same way we did. And if we as leaders are looking at them thinking they see things from our lens, you know, that's a huge mistake. We, you are not the standard to which everything is judged. We need to remember just because I woke up a certain way today doesn't mean that you woke up a certain way. And unfortunately, with emotional intelligence, a lot of that's underneath the surface. What you see is my communications. What you see is my actions. But what you don't see is all the things contributing to my communications and actions, my fears, my motivators, my stressors, my concerns, my, uh, my assumptions, my, my aspirations, you know, my biases. All of those things color how I act and talk. And if unless you're having those deeper, as I call them in the book, and inner iceberg conversations, then you're missing the boat. It's like what killed the Titanic was not the little piece of ice above the waterline. What killed that unsinkable ship was the huge piece of ice below the waterline. Well, guess what? People are a lot like that. You just What you see is just the tip of the iceberg. You don't see all of the stuff underneath the iceberg. And until we start having those deeper conversations at work, we're completely, completely missing the boat. So what behaviors or patterns do you th- typically think or do think signify that a leader lacks emotional intelligence? Is it only that they're not vocalizing their moods or is there something deeper? No. So emotional intelligence can be broken down into 15 different skills. And in the book, The Emotionally Strong Leader, I talk about, you know, maybe you're really good at something and or maybe you're really weak at something. And sometimes what you think you're really good at 
might actually be, your strength might end up being a liability. I'll give you an example. Let's take self-regard. Self-regard is one of the 15 of emotional intelligent competencies. On a scale of one to 10, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot. How confident and self-assured are you? Uh, Probably be about 6.25. Okay. How come you didn't give yourself a seven, but also how come you didn't give yourself a five? Well, I know that I have imposter syndrome in some aspects. As good as I know that I am in certain things, I also can very much aware of my weaknesses. Do you know anyone that has so much confidence that they become overly confident? That's the dark side of self-regard. Like, do you any know anyone I can think of even in politics, perhaps? Absolutely. Uh, you know, right? That they're overly confident. They might have an inability to admit mistakes. They might be a borderline narcissist. That's the dark side of self-regard. Well, guess what? Each one of these 15 different skills that I talk about in the book have a dark side. So for me, I'm like you, I I struggle with self-regard. I have low self-confidence and people are always surprised by that because if they saw me, they see me on stage. I'm always sort of, I'm leading teams. I'm leading, you know, I'm, I'm the thought leader in this is expert uh, in this field, but that doesn't mean I don't have insecurities. But the interesting thing about insecurities is it's invisible. So unless I show you that I'm insecure with my actions or my communications, you wouldn't know. So maybe some of your listeners today might be like, oh, wow, he's got imposter syndrome. I never knew that about Mark. But that's the whole point. Why are we showing, you know, why can't we just be honest and say, hey, I am have low self-regard, but I'm also, and this is what I wrote in the book, is you can be emotional and strong. They're not mutually exclusive. I think the best example of this that I have to tell people, because my whole life I was told I was too emotional. Well, guess what? I'm making a living out of it now. And emotional, all that means is I feel things deeply. So absolutely, I cry at any Hallmark movie. But I also am a badass business person. And when I have to, I can be strong. So you can be emotional and strong. They're not mutually exclusive. And the best story I can use to describe this is, and you can imagine this because you're also a, a keynote speaker, 10 minutes before I was about to go on stage in front of over a hundred people, I got a call from my mother that my father died and I was the keynote and I had to put on the show. And I want people to realize that I did the keynote. It was, I think, 60 or 90 minutes long. I can't remember. But after the keynote, at the very end, I, I, you know, I dedicated my talk to my dad and the whole audience was in awe because they had no idea what was going on for me internally as I was sharing externally about emotional intelligence. Well, 20 years ago, Mark, I could have never done that. Emotional intelligence truly saved my life. It's been, it's made me be able to have the cognitive skills and mental strategies to be bigger and stronger than my emotions. Now that doesn't mean I have to strong arm my feelings or pretend that I don't, you know, I don't feel things, right? And have a steely resolve not to feel, right? This, all this means is that, as I said earlier, is I recognize that I feel things. So that day when I found out my father passed, there was a myriad of emotions. I felt grief. I felt sadness. I felt anger. I felt disappointment. I felt regret. I felt a myriad of emotions. And to understand what those feelings, where they're coming from, to label them appropriately, am I I frustrated or am I angry? 
to express them constructively and to regulate them appropriately. If we can learn to do those simple things, we can learn to be more intelligent than our emotions. Right. You know, but to your point, the the example that you just provided about having to go on stage and do the keynote, does that mean then that we have to be better at compartmentalizing? Once, like, it's one thing to recognize this is how I'm feeling, but, you know, I got a job to do. And so I'll get the job done and then I'll deal with how I'm feeling about it afterwards. Is that a fair assessment? No, I think you can feel things. In that example, I had a job to do and I didn't think it was the proper place to share what had just happened with an audience that didn't know me. I didn't want to put them in a bad state. I wanted them to be open to learning. I had a job to do. But there are times at work that you're going to be frustrated or angry or sad or stressed. And it's not about compartmentalizing those feelings. It's about recognizing that you feel things and pressing pause. It's about making sure our prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of our brain, is is smarter than that little amygdala that wants to fire off and think we're in danger. So if in, in, a, in, in a business case, if you came to me with an unrealistic expectation and I'm really angry and all I want to do in the moment is tell you, screw you, I don't want to do the, the project. I don't want to make one moment in time to find me forever. So there are times that, yeah, you might in that case with the keynote, I did have to park my emotions. I had a job to do. And then afterwards I grieved. I, I, you know, I said my, what I wanted to, for my dad at the time, I acknowledged him and, you know, said goodbye to him in front of those a hundred people, but I still had a job to do that. I was being paid to do at work. You might be able to say to your boss, Hey, rather than screw you, you might say to him, Hey, I, you know, I can't get project X done by next week, but if you or by, by this week, but if you give me, if you let me do project Y by next week, then I can probably get it done. Is that is that fair, right? Then you can have a conversation rather than letting your emotions take over. So it's it, you can tell your boss, hey, I'm frustrated because this, this deadline doesn't seem realistic given that there's only 24 hours in a day. And how, you know, what priorities do you want me to put in place? What do you want me to let go of so I can make sure this is a priority? So it's not compartmentalizing always. In this case, for my for the keynote, yeah, I, I think I had to compartmentalize because I had a job to do, and I that was a lot to process in front of you know a hundred people. But it's also about realizing that I can compartmentalize. I am stronger than whatever feeling I'm feeling, and I can still do a job. Just like as much as I want to tell my boss to screw off because he gave me an unrealistic deadline. I can be bigger than that temptation and say, wait, let's press pause. Let's figure out, is this the right thing to do? Do we want to tell our boss to screw off or are we going to be get written up for insubordination? So we need to go emotion, trigger, under uh, understanding, hey, I'm, I'm angry because he gave me an unrealistic deadline. What's my response going to be? And what's the impact of that response? If I tell you, screw you, I might lose my job. If I tell you, let's set some boundaries, and let me do, you know, let's negotiate about when projects are due. You might not love my answer, but you'll respect me for speaking up and setting a boundary. Yeah, it's interesting. Just the other day, I was talking with somebody who um, who was having problems with their employee. And she was saying how hard it was to always deal. She, number one, defined her as a type A personality and really hard to get along with. And every time she had to deal with this employee, she would like, she would have to psych herself up to go face to face with the employee 
I'm challenged because the emotional intelligence component is, is this a two-sided coin that you also have to understand the angst and the, and the capacity of the people we're dealing with as much as our own thing? Because obviously she had fear as a leader. She was exhibiting that when we talked about it, she goes, yeah, I'm a little bit scared of dealing with this person because it always comes out to this big blowout. How much does she have to be aware of what that other person is feeling? Well, it's interesting. I just had a lot of um, people in the audience today when I spoke this morning asking me that question, what happens when you're emotionally intelligent, but the other person you're not dealing, uh, dealing with isn't? Your control is your side of the street. So absolutely, you need to be aware of how that other person may or may not react. But one of the questions I would suggest to your client might be, okay, if you're scared of speaking up because you're worried it's going to blow up into something, what you might want to ask your colleague or your boss is to say, hey, if I want to you know, throw out another idea or if I want to challenge some of your ideas, how can I do that in a respectful way without it blowing up into being, you know, a disagreement? And then shut up and let listen to what they have to say. They might say, oh, I just want you to tell me what you really think. Or they might say, okay, no, I actually, if you're going to challenge me, I'm pretty sensitive about my ideas. I want you to, you know, do such and such and such and stuff. But they'll give you a roadmap on how to do it. I think it's really important for to realize that emotional intelligence is two ways. It's it's one we got to be aware of ourselves and how we're feeling. But yeah, we have to pick up on the nuances in the room. I'm sure you walked into a meeting and you felt the tension when you got into the room and you had no idea what had just happened. Well, that's empathy. That's you picking up on the nuances and the emotions of the people in the room. Yeah, you need to be aware of that. But the problem is we're not asking people these questions. We're not asking people, hey, how would you like to receive feedback? Hey, what motivates you? What stresses you out? What are you afraid of? What, what, what are your assumptions? We're not asking that. We're just making all of these assumptions. And if we could get to the heart of the issue, which are all that EQ stuff underneath the surface, we would have much better communication. People always ask me all of these questions. What should I do? You know, how do I tell my boss this? Or how do I tell my partner that? Just speak your truth respectfully and professionally, knowing that tone of voice is 38% of what people hear. You know, body language is 55%. So if I want to have a, a, a disagreement with my partner, maybe the last thing I need to do is not sit across the table from him. Maybe the best thing I need to do is sit beside him on the couch or go for a walk holding hands and uh, hand in hand. Body language says a lot. So can we can we figure out what we want to say, figure out, you know, t- as you said with your client, they were fearful of the aftermath. Well, I would get I would ask them deeper questions like what are you afraid of? What are you afraid that you won't be able to handle the conflict? Or are you afraid that they won't like you? Like, what is it that you are afraid of? Are you afraid you're going to lose your job? Because the fear is the answer. The fear is the, the, is the reason why they're not doing it. That's the real issue. And if you can get to the real issue, then you can solve the right problem. Right, right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. The, you know, mental mental wellness and mental health within organizations now is a constant conversation. How much is employee mental well-being tied to a leader's level of emotional intelligence? The byproduct of emotional intelligence is an emotional well-being. And what emotional well-being is, is happiness, being satisfied, enjoying your uh, very many aspects of your life, 
And it really is associated with four different emotional intelligence skills, which is self-regard, which we talked about already, an area that we both need to work on. Self-actualization, which is all about living a life of meaning and purpose and wanting to be the best us that we can be. In that case, I rank really high on that. I'm on the dark side. I'm, I'm never satisfied. I just wrote an award-winning book. And rather than celebrating, I'm on to the next book, right? So any of your listeners perfectionists like me, right? Bigger, better, more, always wanting to, to go. So that's one that affects our happiness. Interpersonal relationships, how well you connect and relate to others. Can you build mutually satisfying relationships? And optimism, what kind of a positive attitude do you have about life? All of those things relate to our emotional well-being. And unless we, I call them like emotional muscles, Mark. We have 15 different emotional intelligence muscles underneath. And supposedly, if I did more ab crunches, I'd have a six-pack that came out. That I have yet to see that. But it's the same thing with emotional muscles. If I work my muscle more, if I work that and I do the exercises, if I struggle with independence, I worry about what people think of me which is hard as a public figure. I have to care less about what people think. If I get a thumbs down on one of my videos, I have to be okay with that. And that's tough. It's easy to say, not easy to do. And so I, in order to build that muscle, I have to do the work and the work is hard. Just like crunches are hard at the gym, building independence is hard in life. And so these 15 different skills that I that we teach, and by the way, emotional intelligence can be enhanced. It can't, it isn't like IQ that peaks at 17 or 18. It can grow. And one study shows it says it peaks in our 60s. So we both have hope. And you know, it rises as you get older, but but it changes throughout time. Mm-hmm. Every year it's different, right? Like you're it, how are you faring this year might be different than how you're faring last year. Yeah. And and again, coming out of COVID. We all felt how radically different we could be feeling at any particular moment. Yes. And we went through a roller coaster ride. We sure did. I want you to think of how you felt March 2020 and how you feel now. We, we, we've gone through a lot, but are you even paying attention to how you're feeling? Or are, your, are you or your listeners just going on to the next Zoom meeting or the next Teams meeting or the next board meeting? Are we even checking in? with how we're feeling, because how you feel at work and about your work affects how you perform at work. And if people started paying attention to how they feel at work, I mean, if we're measuring performance at work, this is your expertise here. If we're measuring performance, then we got to get in touch with the heart of the issue, which is emotions. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to get into some steps of how we can grow our emotional intelligence. As you mentioned, it's something that can be developed and we'll get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with a new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with the author of The Emotionally Strong Leader and Inside Out Journey, to transformational leadership with author Carolyn Stern. Carolyn, why don't you tell us, a li- you've hinted to a bunch of things about your book. Why don't you give us a quick little synopsis of what people can expect when they get your book? 
Well, the first thing that they can expect is I'm going to hopefully convince them that emotions are not the enemy. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not good or bad, right or wrong. They're just an emotional reaction to a person, thing, or situation. That's that. And we need to become bigger and stronger than our feelings. We need to stop being so afraid of them and push them under the rug. We need to believe that they give us information rather than, and look for that information. How am I feeling? What is that feeling telling me about me? And the second part of the book is really, it's a self-coaching model. Once you figure out, I'm hoping people will realize that emotions, we don't need to be afraid of them anymore. We need to make friends with our feelings. But once they do that, then I want them to figure out what their emotional makeup is and how it helps and hurts their leadership. And so I take them through a six-step process. And the first step is connect with yourself and figure out on those 15 different emotional intelligence skills, where are you strong? Where are you weak? Where are you in the middle? And where are you on the dark side? Like uh, that we talked about. And so we, we measure them. But, but here, that's only the first step. The second step is you got to ask people, do you see me the way I see myself? Mark, you know, I bet you, you know, we just met. I'm guessing that neither of us would have thought either of us had low self-regard because on the outside, we might appear confident, but we don't necessarily see it on the inside. And so what's really going on in the inside? So you've got to ask five people in the book. I say, consult with others. Step three is once you've taken your self-perception and how other people see you, you got to figure out what am I going to focus on? Clarify your focus. What is the thing that's getting in your way of being your best self? And then from there, you go into possibilities. What are the possibilities to get you stronger and bigger and, and build that emotional intelligence muscle. And in the book, I give you 60 strategies, depending on which skill you're struck, whether it's impulse control or empathy or flexibility or decision-making. There's all so many different emotional intelligence skills and composite skills that I get you to work on to figure out what you're struggling with. And then what's getting in your way? Why haven't you already done it? And then step five is, is really about plan and action plan. And knowing that today you're probably going to relapse, right? So what are you going to do when you go back to old patterns of behavior? And step six is really close the conversation with yourself, which is really about figuring out how you're going to get support, who's going to be your accountability partner to keep you honest, because this work is tough. And so that's the six-step program I take people through that has, from what I've heard from from my readers and followers, is that really has helped them both personally and professionally. Love it. It, it, and it, you know, as you were saying it, it made so much sense, kind of how you've itemized those six steps. It, it's made so much, uh, so much sense. And, you know, part of, I think the magic bullet is, as you were saying it, is the word humility came out, <laughs> came to mind that we have to have some level of humility and know that we don't have all the answers. It's hard to take a good, honest look in the mirror and say, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And if they're prepared to do the hard work, and it's not easy to take that look and say, hey, I'm not, you know, the best thing I ever did as a leader is realize that I had low independence and I had too much flexibility. Because how does that get in my way as a leader? I over-accommodate way too much, wanting to keep my employees happy. And sometimes I need to be more stringent and care a little less about what they think. That's the work that I need to do. But you yourself and all your listeners have their own work. I have yet to meet. I've, I have trained 35,000 leaders in the last five years. There is no, I have yet to meet one leader that has it all figured out. 
And so the, the issue is figuring out that balance. It's it, People always want to know, you know, when the book came out, I got a lot of media coverage and they all wanted to know what's the, how, what's the quick fix to become emotionally intelligent. It depends. It depends on what your starting point is. If you have low empathy, you need to care a little bit more. If you have too much empathy, you need to care a little bit less. You need to set better boundaries. So depending on where you're starting is the, is the first step. The second step is why do I do what I do? Why am I the way I am? The reason I realized that I had low independence is, bless her heart, I had a very overbearing mother. I still do. She now lives with me. I could write a book about that. But as a, as a classic helicopter parent, she meant well, but she tried to give me the world to protect me from everything, like most helicopter parents. But what that did is I didn't learn how to stand on my own two feet. Well, now I'm a grown-ass adult. Now that I know that, I can do something about that. I can then say, hey, I struggle with independence. So as much as I want to ask you a validating question mark, like, oh, did you like this? Was this a good podcast? No, I need to just stop myself and trust that it is what it is. Whether you liked it or not, I did my best and move on. And that's really hard for someone who struggles with what people think. And so it's really taking a good, honest look in the mirror, having compassion not judgment. We are who we are for our lived experience has made us who we are and start to understand why you are the way you are. Because once you can understand your why, then you can do something about it. I love that. For the people who this message is really resonating with, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? So you can go on to carolynstern.com and find out all about me. But if you want to find out about our emotional intelligence training arm, which is eiexperience.com. So carolynstern.com, if you want to talk to me, if you want to talk about emotional intelligence training or assessments or retreats or, or um, online programs, you can go on to eiexperience.com. And we'll make sure that the links are in the show notes. We've talked a lot about the challenges with emotional intelligence, not having it, the symptoms, the consequences, and so on. The end result, what does leading with emotional intelligence actually look like to somebody who's stepping into, let's say, a, a, a photograph of what intel emotional intelligence would look like in their corporate culture, within their team dynamics? What does that look like? It looks like you have better uh, self-awareness. It looks like you have better control of your actions. It looks like you have more empathy for others. It looks like you have healthier relationships. It looks like you don't let your emotions cloud your objectivity. It looks like you know how to speak up and talk about not only your thoughts, but also how you feel about things. It looks like having that confidence that you and I are, are trying to build. It looks like being fulfilled in your life. It looks like so many things. It looks like when you make a mistake as a leader, admit it. Have, as you said, humility and know, admit when you've made a mistake. You know, it's it's speaking up in meetings. It's bravely leading your teams. It's being vulnerable. It's doing the research and gathering all the facts and figuring out the pros and cons and then making a decision rather than letting your emotions cloud it. It's so many things, but it's necessary in the workplace because who you are is how you lead. And it's so important for people to understand who they are. And that's why the book is called An Inside Out Journey to Transformational Leadership, because I wanted people to realize they got to look inward first before they lead others. They have to figure out how they're showing up and how that's impacting others. Because we all leave awake, just like a boat leaves awake, we all leave a ripple effect. And how we hope 
that our ripple effect is for good, positive, but it might be unintentionally leaving a negative ripple effect. You know, as you were saying, all these different snapshots, you know, I get a sense that employees coming into this kind of environment where emotional intelligence is really strong, where leaders are have a very high quotient of emotional intelligence, where team members themselves are endorsed and supported to have high emotional intelligence, that this would feel like a very safe work environment. Absolutely. Psychologically, a psychological safety. You know, Amy Edmondson, who coined the term, she's the first, she's on the cover of my book. She said, a crucial and timely Stern's guide to an inside out journey presents a vital roadmap for today's leaders. I'm, I mean, we absolutely need to create a safe environment where people do not feel judged to share their opinion and their ideas because you might have the next big, big idea. And if I, if you're too afraid, like, let's, let's be honest, creativity takes vulnerability. Putting your eyes, ideas out there for the world to judge is scary. Uh-huh. Writing a book when I care so much about what the world thinks was hard, but guess what? I can be brave and afraid at the same time. I love it. And that's what I want. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, people coming to you and wanting kind of like the quick fix. For the people who love Band-Aid solutions, what are some cautionaries we should be looking at when we want to start evaluating our own emotional intelligence and when we want to start kind of pushing the boundaries to get better at it? What are some cautionaries we should be aware of? Well, I think the problem is reading a book and like, you know, Googling what's the top ways to improve your emotional intelligence. Well, the problem is it depends on where you're starting from. So for instance, I'm going to ask you again, I'm going to put you on the spot again independence, which is feeling self-directed, which is not caring about what people think. I struggle with that. Where are you uh, on that? Do you Uh, feel like you're very self-directed or do you feel like you care too much about what people think? Or are you on the dark side, which is you never ask for help and people in relationship never feel wanted, needed, or trusted. Are you on the dark side? I'm on the dark side. Yep. And I know, but I, I still know that I have lots of weaknesses, but one of the biggest challenges I think I've had is asking for help. Right. So you and I are on completely different ends. So if you never ask for help and I ask for help too much, I'm not going to give us both the same strategy. I'm going to say, Carolyn, stand on your own TV, trust your judgment, don't ask for validation and do it yourself. You, I'm going to say, start asking for help, even if you don't need it, because people in relationship with you might not see you as a team player. They might not feel wanted, needed, or trusted. Those are two completely different strategies. So the worst thing people can do is just read a a quick, you know, listicle online and say, okay, I've got the answers because what is your starting point? So that is why in the book, the very first step is connect with yourself. Take a good, hard look in the mirror, look at your, what your, the good, the bad, and the ugly and figure out where are you at? And then also, where do you want to be? Maybe I'm happy being needy. Hey, the positives of being needy is I get a lot of help. I'm the damsel in distress. People help me a lot. I I delegate. So that gets a lot of work done. The negative side of that is people don't trust my judgment. They don't, they don't think I'm capable. I, I don't make decisions easily on my own. I question myself. I don't take risks. So it's about finding a, a sweet spot. And, and the challenge is we've got to figure out when we've swung too far or not far enough. So that's the first error. The second thing that I would say is it depends on the other person. So as you said earlier, I'm your, your client wanting to, to talk to you, to, to that other woman, to the other person, but she's afraid of the blow up. 
well, what's going on for that other person? Like, do you think right now, Mark, of someone at work that really drives you crazy, and let's say you think they're bossy, arrogant, and pushy, do you think they're sitting in the mirror in the morning and going, wow, I'm bossy, I'm pushy, I'm arrogant? No, they're saying, I'm confident, I'm driven, I say what I want. They don't see themselves how you see them. But their bubble could be compensating for something. And until we have really honest discussions, we're not going to be able to uncover that. That's right. right. And so it's really about saying, hey, when you did blank, I felt blank. Mm -hmm. And what I'd like you to do in the future is blank. Yeah. And how it's going to benefit us is blank. If we can start doing that that adaptation of the nonviolent communication model, we, you and I can have more honest respectful communications where I get to set boundaries. You let you, I let you know what is okay and what's not okay. But unless again, we do have those deeper conversations. I'm just seeing externally what's going on rather than finding out what's really going on internally. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting as you're saying that, you know, one of the things I was telling people, especially with interpersonal conflicts as a leader, I've had to put out many fires of people kind of butting heads together. And one of the things I realized is a lot of these conflicts happen because people's feelings get hurt. And somewhere after grade uh, being 10 years old, you know, where mom said, you know, you go and tell Steve that he hurt your feelings. Sometime after that, we got the snot beat out of us for saying that. And then we never said it ever again. And yet we see so many of these conflicts happen because people feel disrespected. They feel that they don't get their own due or whatever. But ultimately, it boils down to their feelings got hurt. That's right. And so whenever I have two students that come to me or two clients that come to me, because I work with a lot of people that are, you know, not getting along, Mm -hmm. that's the first thing I start with. Okay. What happened for you? What's your perspective of the situation? How did it make you feel? Mm -hmm. And what happened for you, person X? And how did it make you feel? Let's get it out in the open, right? But we've got to get over this. Oh, I've got to, you know, you said earlier in the beginning, you're like, you have to be stoic, unflappable, never let them see you sweat Mm at mentality. That's so outdated. We need to turn leadership on its head. We need to start realizing that you've got to lead from the inside out. And that means from a strong mind and a kind heart. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we're born of the same bread and butter on that one, my friend. (laughs) There you go. There you go. This has been such an amazing discussion, Carolyn. Do you have any last thoughts about what we've been talking about today? I just, I mean, I hope I leave people realizing that, you know, stop thinking that emotions are the enemy. We need to stop being afraid of feelings. If I I could tell any of your listeners one thing is that stop being so afraid of your emotions or those of others, right? We are filled with feelings. We've got to start tending to what our feelings are telling us. And we got to look for the information they provide us because they give us incredible insights into our internal psyche and the external world around us. I love it. Could you remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? They can reach me at carolynstern.com or if they're interested in emotional intelligence training or online training, workshops, retreats, they can get us at eiexperience.com. Thank you so much. It has been so great having you on the show, Carolyn. Thank you so much for gracing us with your passion and your knowledge and your expertise. I hope that emotional intelligence in this conversation helps somebody because I know it's been my lifeline. It's changed how I show up to work. It's changed my relationships. 
it's changed everything. So it has truly been my lifeline. And I hope that people realize that EI is the answer to every personal and interpersonal problem out there. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Why don't you let me know if this was of value to you? As always, my offer stands. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, feel free to book time on my online calendar. The link is in the show notes. It's the one marked meetwith.markhain.com. Pretty convenient, isn't it? <laughs> it would be my absolute honor to be of service to you. And why don't you leave a comment or a review about this episode? I'd love to get your feedback. Was this of value to you? And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and make sure you subscribe so that if you're doing this on YouTube, make sure you also ring that bell. That way you get notification whenever I come out with brand new content each and every week. It has been so great to hang out with you today. My name is Mark Payne. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership make sure you visit markhane.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.